The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all you snow sluts, ice queens, and you cuffing cuckolds. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. This week, we have got on uh, a past hookup, a beautiful member of the New York City sex party community, Atrina. We're talking about polyamory. We're talking about restorative justice. We're talking about cancel culture, and we're talking about apology. I'm a guy who uh, has had to give a lot of apologies. I'm a guy who probably still owes a few more. And I am a guy who is going to fuck up and need to apologize to someone for something again in the future. Um, potentially as soon as tomorrow, because uh, apparently I acted on the phone with my girlfriend in a way that she did not appreciate. I'm not entirely sure what I did, but when she you know, is ready to talk to me about it, I'm ready to listen. And being ready to listen is uh, is something I attribute to Atrina, who has been like a bird in my ear over the years, a bird that I respect and that I think is ever so wise. This was a uh, this was a, a nervous episode to do. As much as I would love to chat with Atrina about this stuff all the time on or off mic, I knew that us talking on mic we would be inevitably talking at least a little bit about my relationship with Paige because Atrina was once very tight with Paige and the night we hooked up was a night that I was over her place with her and, you know, things transpired. It's not really important what. And she's also been there to witness and chime in on the times where my thumbs get a little impulsive on social media. Luckily, those times have been um, a little less frequent than they once were so this this is a this is a special episode for me and i do hope you will all enjoy it and maybe even take away a few things so i will be sharing her with y'all uh shortly i don't have a, a super long intro planned out or anything um i will say my mouth is a fucking war zone and that's been painful as shit i uh, i'm finally not sick anymore but now my my gums for last week have just been I've just been throbbing. It's like there's a, a North Jersey Armenian DJ playing music in my mouth, and it's fucking painful. I finally have a, an appointment with a dentist tomorrow, and I'm, I'd be truly embarrassed to admit how long it's been since I've been to a dentist. I'm only going to tell you you can measure it in laps the earth has made around the sun. I, it's, it's been a long time. I thought I could just brush my teeth twice a day. Apparently not. Ugh. I floss and it looks like someone lost their virginity in my sink. It's bad, people. Oh, and it's just made me angry and irritated kind of nonstop every day for the last week. I basically, I, I'm, bas I'm at the point where I just want to fucking floss with razor blades. I don't know what to do to make it stop. And it's only moments like this where I'm like, I understand how people get hooked on opioids. This is how it starts. 
Luckily, I was able to find a dentist who takes my insurance to get like a basic cleaning tomorrow on Tuesday. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm just like agonizing right now. I did survive Thanksgiving, however. I, for the most part, made it through all of that. But holy mother of anal beads, this hurts. I got one of those canker sores on my tongue on top of it. It's just a fucking mess. Anybody want to make out? If anyone listening's ever been like, Billy's cute. Do you still think that? I defy you. I challenge you to still find me attractive. I spit. I don't know if it's going to be spit, blood, or phlegm. Who's turned on right now for a sex podcast? But what a country would be if I could just walk into whatever the closest dental office is and, and, and make an appointment and not have to pay anything. I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of countries do it. Medicare for all who want it. You know what, Pete? I'm pretty sure everybody wants it. They don't know they want it, but they want it if you explain it to them in stupid people language. I do want to tell you a bit about Patreon. Did you know that there's nearly 200 bonus episodes of the Man Whore podcast available exclusively on Patreon? Yeah, and I release four bonus episodes every month. Wild, right? I know, so much extra content. Sometimes the bonus episodes are just extended conversations with the guests that week, and sometimes I'm bringing in special guest stars like Andrea Allen, Nina Hartley, and my seventh grade crush. And for those of you using certain apps like the Apple Podcasts app and Pocket Cast and stuff like that, you can actually add your RSS feed from Patreon into your podcast player of choice, so you can just keep it all in the same app so that you never miss a bonus episode. You also get access to our super secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room, and my private patron-only posts. Uh, and my nudes, hey. And you can become a member today by visiting patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Sign up at the $5 tier today and get binging tomorrow. One more time, patreon.com slash podcast. I produ- I pronounced one more time kind of weirdly. That's odd. It's this fucking canker sore. Oy. All right, let's do the fan whore appreciation moment. Okay, I'm not appreciative of this canker sore, but I am appreciative of uh, the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Right now, I want to show some love to Sylvan L. Hey, I forgive you for being a Patriots fan, but only because you're a fan of yours truly. Thank you so much, honey. Uh, I want to give a shout out to James Hammond. I don't know what it is about a lot of my uh, fan whores are really into fishing and taking pictures, holding big old fish, but you seem to be one of them. And, uh, you know, good on you, dude. Good job. Good job. Thank you for supporting the show. I want to give a thank you to Megan McKay. Uh, who dat? Who dat? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a new babe in the peep show. Oh, my gosh, everybody. She's a hottie. Uh, thank you, honey, for being a part of the community. I know the other members of the Peep Show are quite happy you're there. And I want to give a shout out to Java Joe, who uh, who goes shooting with his old as fuck mother in a wheelchair. And I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> Sometimes I like to stalk people a little bit and do a little bit of research on like, you know, what to say during the, the shout out. <laughs> but hey, all of you uh, and everybody, thank you so much for your support uh, and for being a member of our fan whore community on Patreon. Okay, I'm going to shut my gross, tropic thunder, radioactive, bleeding Kansas mouth, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, let us chat 
with a just wonderful soul who will hopefully teach you a thing or two about being better. Atrina, everybody. I mean, I'm obviously very sensitive to like, you know. Yeah, you don't like stand-up. I, we were, I really the, don't. The, the, the night... The the night we hooked up, we we watched a Jim Jeffries special, and you just sat there like white knuckling it, just like oh, these Cosby jokes. <laughs> you know what? I I love puns because puns in general don't uh don't require that like marginalized or like otherwise downtrodden groups be mm. the butt of jokes. I just really do not find jokes at the expense of people, especially of like marginalized people sure. to be funny. I just really don't. Sure. And, um, and I'm very sensitive to those things. So, um, yeah, that's why I like puns. <laughs> but then of course today I, in my, uh, in the, Facebook group I'm in that has like thousands of members and it's about puns mm-hmm. had a pun like a trans pun and it's like oh god and it wasn't even a pun it was a trans joke it was just a transphobic joke and I'm just like oh god and this is how I'm spending my morning before meeting up with Billy god uh, how apropos I mean I'm kind of I'm kind of into it because now I just look better by comparison that's <laughs> true yeah especially compared to some of these people like oh my god but you know it really <laughs> I don't expect people to be perfect. And I, um, you know, I have done and said things that I, you know, that have hurt people or offended people that I don't currently believe. Um, and if somebody were to like pull stuff up from my past and be like, yeah, well, you said this, I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. And that was really shitty, actually. But the difference to me between somebody who's like, you know, worthy of being condemned and somebody who is just you know, flawed and imperfect and still growing is how they take that feedback and how they grow from it. So it's really natural to be like defensive, especially initially, um, you know, when somebody calls you out. And so even with that, like, yeah, that I do take that into consideration sometimes, like how defensive are they being? But what really matters to me is what they do after like do, mm. do they actually like incorporate that new information do they actually like use that as fodder for growth and like change in a positive way and i have i have seen that from you like obviously like back and forth trends and like you know up and down and whatever but like even even after you get defensive and say like well it's just comedy and whatever you, you'd still i haven't seen a trans another trans joke from you you know what i mean like I mean, maybe I'm, wor- I'm working on one. But. Yeah, I, well, I actually <laughs> heard a Holocaust joke I didn't hate recently. Oh, that's great! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was really proud of myself that I was just like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh, oh, oh. All right. Well, that actually wasn't that bad. Okay. Because it's maybe the you a joke with a trans person in it is not necessarily a trans joke. Right. It, but it could be. It, but also could just be a joke that has a trans person in it. Um. So it just kind of like people have to listen to the thing. Yeah. And there, there is like um, a lot of oversensitivity, I think, compensating for like the lack of regard for yeah. so many like centuries, really, that like now we're kind of like coming. It's like this backlash of saying like, oh, all that shit that you were doing before wasn't yeah. OK then, still not OK and definitely not OK. Cut it out. Sure. So it's like sort of overcompensating, I think. Well, um, stand up can also be meeting. like a mirror to society. Like, right. I mean. I know the recent look. I also rolled my eyes at the and went a lot of uh, "Come on, Dave!" at the most recent Chappelle special. He had a joke in there though that showed society what's up, and it's about trans women, and it's about it was like it's a joke that takes place in a car. And it's like all the different like um, letters of the LGBTQ are in there, but like how it was a joke about how even though even if you're like yes, trans women and equality and this and that, a lot of people are still just uncomfortable in the presence of yeah. 
And he reflected that back. The fact that that joke works goes, yeah, there's still something that even as progressive as we are, if you're with like just standing next to someone in line who doesn't pass very well, there's like an uneasiness that a lot of people still feel. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one reason why like the whole it's just a joke, you know, why can't you Mm. take a joke thing just rolls right over me. And I'm saying like, because jokes are not, People don't generally say jokes because they don't mean the thing. Mm. They say they they say uh, things that either they feel or are reflections of society in a way that is like so overt that makes you uncomfortable that you laugh mm. at it. But it's really like speaking somebody's truth. Like if somebody says like, ha ha ha, I'm so fat or whatever. Sure. It's not that they're laughing because they know that they're not fat. There is a part of them that is saying that, that that really does think that, but they're just being so overt with with laughing about it that um it, that it doesn't it doesn't pierce as much. Mm-hmm. But that said, it kind of like disregards the whole idea of like, oh, it's just a joke. I didn't mean it. I feel like people say that when they're like, I don't want to acknowledge that this is actually has a spark of truth to it. I just want to use the, oh, it's a joke as a way to like be able to say things that you're not allowed to say or shouldn't mm. say or shouldn't think or don't want to feel like whatever. Um, so that's why the whole like, it's just a joke, take a joke, like just doesn't hold any weight with me at all. And I'm like, no, well, yeah. then your jokes aren't funny, which sure. I've said to you multiple times. Which is also <laughs> fine. And, but, and that's always just, and, and not that, and I personally, that's the last thing I'll say about uh, jokes. You can say as much as you want about jokes. But the last thing I'll say is that that's also okay, but the first, second, and fourth thing I am judging the joke by was, is it funny? And then somewhere in between there, there's like, yeah, is this going in the right direction? Things like that. But, at, you know, you can shut down most comedians. If you don't like a joke that you think is whatever phobic, you could just say you don't think it's funny because then he can't – and it's usually he, so I'm just going to stick with that. Um, he can't He can't argue with you because he, he can't argue with you into thinking it's funny. But if you say it's this, that, or the other thing – now there's a thing he can right. fight against. So the best thing you could do is just not laugh and say, I don't think that's funny. Will you explain this joke to me? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, now you're opening up a can of worms. But if, and if you don't even say it's not funny because just say, I don't think that's funny yeah. or don't laugh. Because like when we sit up on that stage, if it's like silence, we have to fucking own that because we said something we thought was funny. And this overwhelming science said I was wrong. Yeah. And that's way worse than being like heckled or commented, yeah, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. personally. Totally. Um, but this is a good time to say I'm here with my friend Atrina, uh, a former uh, big crush and, and one time um, uh, foot massage receiver. Uh, for <laughs> <laughs> um, but also someone in the in the scene, in the sex party scene here in, in New York City who has uh, had a complicated relationship, I guess, with my existence at yeah times. yeah definitely complicated complicated <laughs> well so you are friends you're you are you still friends with Paige? Or are you i haven't spoken with her so i know that she moved away um like you know a couple years ago or something yeah. and then she came back um we were like kind of seeing each other at the time um right not well, like a kink relationship yeah so. i mean yeah like a yeah we were I don't, I'm whatever the words, but yeah, we were like, like sort of had a, a little bit of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was going through a rough time and I was like, you know, you, I don't need anything from you. I just want your happiness. So, you know, come, you know, let me know if you want me in your life and whatever, whatever. Um, and you know, when I had talked to her, she was always very like sweet and whatever. Uh, then she, I found out that she moved away and then, uh, found out she moved back and she, never told me she moved back and I haven't really spoken with her so I don't really know what's up I mean I still want her happiness and I still 
you know, um, really empathize with um, how hard your breakup was with her. And uh, yeah, so so that, that was that was yeah. that. Well, that, that's how I became more chatty with you is via, um, you know, my relationship with, with Paige. Although you, I have had one of your exes on the show, interestingly enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she did the show a, a while back, talked about uh, a, a threesome that she tried, uh, a bait and switch threesome she tried to sell me on. You were in a position and even decided to do the podcast you were explaining before that you didn't know if you wanted to do it because you have friends who don't like me. And then, but you don't not like me. You don't not like me. And I've, I don't, uh, I don't like a lot of the things that you have said and sure. done. I don't dislike you as a human. Yeah, that's fair. And, <laughs> but, but in this scene, like you're, I hear so many people who have this issue where they're friends with this person, but that person's upset these people. And then it complicates like where you can go and when and with whom and like, what's the guest list of this thing? And it seems like, um, Beef callouts and drama can make things so complicated in Polyland. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I just recently had this situation where, um, so I a, a partner of mine moved to New York from Kansas City, mm. um, and he uh, he was really really close friends with this person that I that had a crush on me for a long time, and like we had sort of been playmates mm. here or there. But then when I broke up with my uh, like last nesting partner, this person, like you know, uh, this person that I was, that I started dating this person. I'm trying not to <laughs> call them out, but um, uh, we ended up kind of being like a little bit of a poly effective triad. Like they were super, super close. Mm. Uh, not to mention that with my ex, uh, his other partner that kind of lived with us part time uh, or whatever, they were all really close. And then when um, I had to break up with one of the people that I was dating in that little like triad thing um, that kind of ruined the relationship mm. with the, with the long distance partner that moved here. Um, and you know, he didn't have a huge amount of friends cause he had just moved here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they weren't friends. They weren't hanging out that much and that sucked. And then um, some uh, really bad shitty stuff came out about my ex and um, his like my former metamor, like she and I were still like remotely close, uh, but he and my other partner, or she and my other partner, were really. Is everyone close. keeping track? Did you? Do you all? Yeah. Have how a many? I'm trying right like now. to. I'm like trying not to use names to like yeah. call them out like against. I their also will, can. By the way, agree, you can but... either use fake names or uh, I will beep names if you ask me to later. Okay. So. Um. <sighs> but so, but like that isn't that the funny thing about Polly is like just to explain it my I have a, a I partner person you know Kenzie she literally showed me a like Polly family tree and how all the people are connected in mm. her cue it was like wow Paul thank God I don't do this full like Polly stuff full time because oh my gosh it's yeah. so it is complicated like how did you even start to manage the different relationships and family trees when you started in the non monogamy sphere well I mean so. I I've uh, identified as polyamorous since I was 13. Uh, it was the first time that I heard the term and it was on like MTV's Undressed and I was just like, wait, I 
that's what I want. And so I had a relationship with uh, a girl who then um, our agreement was we could date other guys, but she and I were the only girls that we would date. Mm. Um, and as this was 13 years old. She and I are still best friends. Um, I am like the godmother to her t- two children. Every time I go back to Kansas City, I see her and her kids and her new husband, whatever. We don't have a romantic relationship. Every once in a while when we're drunk, we make out. But um, but uh, yeah, so then... And then, like, you know, through high school or whatever, it was like, okay, well, you know, polyamory was just like not a thing. So it was like, okay, well, kissing other people doesn't count. If it's a threesome, it doesn't count. If it's a girl, it doesn't count, whatever. Um, If it's out of the country, that's international dick. It doesn't count. Right. (laughs) So then at age 20, I met uh, a guy who had a girlfriend and 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 their intimacy was like really on this way out. He's like, I'm not sure if this relationship is going to be staying. I really love a lot of aspects, but like I need more. And I'm like, well, why don't we just also like have a relationship with her? Like we can be polyamorous. Um, and we did. And so then I lived with them. Uh, and then I was the maid of honor at their wedding. I'm also the godmother to their child. I'm still in contact with them. Not as much because that breakup was kind of bad. So it wasn't always super complicated. But yeah, so I've been actively living non-monogamously or actively living polyamorously Mm. specifically since I was for 13 years. Um, And I have identified as polyamorous for 20 because I'm uh, 33 now. And it's it makes it especially hard because I uh, identify with like relationship anarchy, mm-hmm. which basically uh, def- like relationships are individually defined. So it's not like this is my boyfriend and these are other people. It's not like you know this is my primary partner and everyone else is secondary. It's like right. this is a partner that I live with. This is the partner I am building a future with. This is my nesting partner. And then also I have people that have been in my life for years that right. are like you know uh, comet partners or. Um, you know, or playmates, like whatever. So it's really hard to keep track and it's really especially hard to not refer to them by name, but. So are you in part, so like you're not the type where you get a partner and then it's like, well, you see your friends less often because you're not going to like devalue a relationship just because a new one came in. Right, exactly. Or like you don't have to like um, compare them to each other to figure out like which one's most or more important than another. Right, exactly. Now, sometimes that happens inadvertently just because it's like, well, I'm, you know, in new relationship energy. So I'm like spending a lot more time with them or, you know, my time is limited because now this like, you know, I now have a new person that I'm spending a substantial amount of time with, which reduces the amount of free time I have. But it's not like an overt like, oh, I have to do this with my partner. So I can't do this with you. It's more like, okay, well, what time do I have? Like what emotional energy reserves do I have? So right now, because I, I live with two of my boyfriends, with my two boyfriends, um, I don't have a huge amount of time, energy, or really drive to, mm. like, uh, date much. So I have people that are, like, casual playmates that I've had throughout the years that are, like, maybe friends with benefits or sweeties or whatever, Comet partners. Um, and Do you want to explain that term, Comet partner? Because uh, although I immediately understood it, yeah. I don't think it's ever been said on this show. So um, <laughs> if you kind of... Uh, conceive of my uh, of like a relationship sphere as a universe or as like a a solar system right Mm -hmm. there's like your moon which is like around all the time Um, there's the sun which is like you know maybe providing like you know the most like intense thing I don't currently have like a sun i have like a couple moons i didn't realize this metaphor actually oh yeah no it expands but (laughs) but you can so so then there's like the the level of closeness like how 
like how off like how much life intertangle intertwinement in, in whatever entanglement inter, in, you're whatever. the one with extra degrees not me so. <laughs> <laughs> um but like you know how how much uh do they affect my day-to-day life how much are they integrated in my day-to-day life so that would be like maybe how far their quote-unquote p- relationship planet is from mine um and then there's uh you know other aspects of like how impactful is their relationship with me so that might you know like my mom for example she and i don't see or talk to each other very often but her my relationship with her is really impactful so Mm. she's probably like a like a jupiter okay right so hugely impactful kind of far away whereas maybe i have other relationships like mars and venuses that are like you know i see more often but maybe aren't super like super impactful but Mm. still relevant they're still in my sphere um and then there's you know and then there's the moons of jupiter the people (laughs) and my mom's friends whatever so i know right though we can really take this places i do well i've used this i've used this when i was um teaching polyamory and guest lecturing and things like that i've used this analogy quite quite a bit or metaphor um and so anyway so comet then would be someone who kind of like comes in burns really bright really hot it's just wonderful to see and then kind of disappears into the ethos but then comes back around eventually. And so like maybe like I have partners that I don't really talk to in between visits, but like maybe they travel for business often and I see them approximately once a year for the last five, six, seven years. So like they're important and and impactful and wonderful when I see them, but also don't really take a lot of like time or emotional bandwidth landscape mm-hmm. from me and so those have been the easiest for me to to maintain while i have these two like saturns literally like right up next to me yeah. you know so there's not a whole lot of room for a lot of other stuff but then comet partners or smaller planets or planets that have like a, a wider um uh like or you know f- like farther away or whatever there's still space for that but um but yeah, having two like quote unquote primary partners or ne- two nesting partners mm. definitely uh, keeps my keeps my hands full. <laughs> yeah, I don't see like a big schedule like calendar anywhere. So like, what what is your method for managing the time? We're still working that out. <laughs> yeah. I know Google Calendar is very GCal is very popular. Uh, yeah. I haven't figured it out, uh, but <laughs> I haven't really figured it out either. So far, it's really been like so. Um, one of my one of my partners has just like a very regular schedule. He goes, you know, he goes to work from, you know, he works from like eleven to mm. seven Tuesday or I'm sorry, uh, Thursday through Monday, and then that's just what the schedule is. Um, and then my other partner. Uh, technically it's a nine to five job but like also it's very flexible it works from home a lot sometimes it's like 11 to 7 so like there's a lot of flexibility there I work from home most of the time and so I'm often here just whenever they are and then every once in a while I have like work where I'm gone for you know 12 18 hours or like I have an entire weekend where I'm just like I have no bandwidth at all because I'm just spending the entire time working yeah so that's not even like sometimes even a time question but just like what do I have it in me to see especially as an introvert like yeah. I'm I'm an outgoing introvert I love people um and I love having like a wide network and and my friends and everything but um I'm also I need alone time to recharge so mm. there's them yeah the other the other big thing is is breakups and I mean, and that ties into the drama in a way, but so like whether it's you break up with someone like and then that has its ripple effects or a 
partner, playmate of yours like Paige breaks up with someone like me, and then that causes its ripples, and you're kind of not even maybe always in the middle of any of these breakups, but still affects you. And it's like, yeah. how do you? Well, it's been manage? really, it's been really rough on um, my partner who lives here now. Like, because as I was mentioning before, like there was this whole drama with my ex, which is how essentially he met his best friend in New York, uh-huh. um, because she was dating him, and we went to visit city um and then she introduced him to a lot of friends whatever the, the thing that happened with that happened with her no it was it was he he did some inappropriate stuff he has a um a sleep disorder that makes him uh do inappropriate things in his sleep and um, i never got that detail whoa okay yeah um and so he did that and it harmed people sure. uh and you know luckily I, you know, the only, basically the only time that we talk is about me like following up like, hey, how's the therapy going? How's like all this stuff? You know, that's pretty much the only time that we talk. But anyway, somebody. But made this a, is a real legit thing. Yeah. Somebody made a post about the thing. Wow. And I was like, and, and saying like, oh, whatever, bullshit, sleep, some, whatever, whatever. No, he's a rapist. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I'm not saying what happened to you didn't happen. I'm not saying that you didn't like that. He didn't harm you. He did. Also. Um, you know, the sleep thing is real. I lived with him for three years. Yeah. Like I had like you've been on the receiving end of that. Then, yeah, I, I just it just wasn't an issue for me. So I didn't see it as necessarily inherently a problem. When it became a problem, it's a problem. And so then, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to like help him find the right therapist and whatever, whatever, which then came off as I'm defending him. I'm like, you know, victim blaming or whatever, because she shouldn't whatever there were a lot of things that uh i was gaslit to hell for that conversation well you do this you do this really abhorrent thing uh of being reasonable (laughs) and it's like how dare she no but but i also did not know this was a factor in what went down there what is like the consent talk negotiate like like, what should one be doing when you know you have that disorder? Do you just say, like, hey, we can't sleep in the same bed? Well, saying, hey, I have a habit of doing these things in my sleep. If that's uncomfortable for you, I- I'd happily, like, pay for an Uber home for you. I just want to let you know. Uh-huh. And and also being self-aware enough to know that it's an issue, which he wasn't. He was kind of like, oh, well, maybe if I just – yeah, maybe if I just don't um, – Like, know. did he bring that up to you the first time y'all got – like, what was Well, no, your... he didn't know. He didn't okay. know. We didn't know that that was the issue. We thought first it was, like, drugs and alcohol. So then he stopped doing drugs and alcohol. And then it happened again. And then he's like, okay, well, maybe it's maybe I need to do something else. So then it went to different therapists. And like, anyway, eventually he finally got this diagnosis of, of um, like a, a parasomnia disorder and uh, or a somnambulance disorder, rather. And, you know, got diagnosed and went through treatment to this whole like sleep study thing and whatever. And so I've been like, oh, God, my mind. See, comedy mind went to funny places. Ah, uh, with it, put him in, put him in with like a real sex doll, uh, and just like an observe. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, but like you know, he's he's made mistakes, and he's not, um, and he has hurt people, uh-huh. and he is not, um, like he he didn't t- take it as seriously as he should have initially and i think a lot of that comes from shame okay. and like the terror of like oh if i acknowledge that this happened then that means i'm going to lose my entire network and him being so such a social creature like was like worse than death would be to lose all of his friends um and at the same time like he gives a lot of fucks and so he like really wanted to do the right thing and to change and to you know whatever um, but then because I was offering him support through 
this like thing that he was dealing with and trying to make sure that he did not harm anyone else that then came off as supporting him over the people that he had harmed which is also not true right but but then how do you not get defensive oh i got defensive as hell Uh i got defensive as hell and like and um and a lot of uh and, you know, and the, and the recourse of that was that, you know, my partner had like these best friends in New York and then like they all just abandoned him because he's still because he supports me and I supported a quote unquote rapist or whatever. Right. And like, you know, and it forces people uh, to take so many sides without maybe even asking all the questions like I didn't. I'm not even listening. I didn't ask questions when I found out. I didn't know what happened. I just got the vague buzzwords and was like, oh, and then, you know, because of what happened during the page breakup and him and I, that I went like, <laughs> but that was just because I'm like, I'm sitting there being like, I got canceled over. I get canceled over word stuff. And then you do that. I didn't ask questions either. Right. So, Cause we, we hear the thing and we're like, ah, I could read the article, but the Twitter headlines easier. Now let me react. Yeah. Well, and also I think one of the, one of the challenges, especially with the play party scene is a lot of times um, people will like make grievances or make reports and want to be kept anonymous. So it's like, Hey, this thing happened. I do not want this person to know it was me. So you cannot tell them. And so then it's, I was on the safety board for mm. a play for a couple of play parties for a while. Um, and I, I had to stop cause it was really bad for my mental health were you on the hacienda one um yeah um but essentially there was there what happened sometimes was okay we've received a report we have to tell the person that they are not allowed at the event and we cannot tell them why and that bothered the ever-living fuck out of me Mm. because how can you make change if you don't know what it is that you did Right there. And there and and you know, and there have been situations then where I have very, very specifically, especially when there's like multiple reports about the same person mm-hmm. and we're not allowed to tell them what the reports are, but I can at least parse apart like, okay, here are some um here are some common themes that I'm seeing, and there's there is nothing about what I tell this person that would make it obvious specifically what was said or specifically what they did, mm-hmm. but enough that they have information to improve. Mm -hmm. And even by giving them that in a way that it could not get back to a single person because no details were shared, but just common threads, even in cases like that, I've been told that like, you know, I then... I'm just going to get that. I told, thank you, that I totally, um, you know, violated the privacy or whatever. I'm like, there's no way to link back who like who said this because there were no details. It was like, you need to be more respectful of people's boundaries. You need to ask when, you know, you want to hug someone, ask if you want to put, you know, your hand on their knee. And meanwhile, the report was, you know, this person like holds on to my waist and doesn't see that I'm like visibly uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, there's no details. And yet I'm still sharing too many details. And that, like, but just, it's, like, it's so but, frustrating. And, and the problem is like we to be we're in this space where like there's a lot of people who and especially men, but pe- I'll say people because I've had women do some shit. Um, a lot of people just don't genuinely don't know what the change needs to be and just need like I'm stupid. I admit I'm stupid. So I'm just like, spell it out for me because I'm a fucking dummy in social situations, which is why I loved when I went to my first Hacienda and they were just like, yeah, if you want to like touch them on the shoulders, just be like, do you mind? I'm like, oh, that's like, that's a rule. I that's can follow- so easy. That's easy. I, I, I can do that. Like that I can handle. Um, and, and so like even now, like there's some, I will get like these vague tweets once in like a couple times a year of like, huh. 
I hear Billy Presida is still harassing women. And I'm like, I don't think I am. But if you don't give me any more information when I ask, I'm like, I can't take corrective action. I can't apologize to someone if I owe them an apology. I can't dismiss it. I can't contextualize. I just am bad. Right. Which is a brilliant strategy because then you put, get to put someone in a bad box and they never get to escape because there's no information. Trash. You're in the trash yeah, can. You're in the trash and we don't care if you, you know what happens. You know what happens to things in trash cans? They get even more dirty with all the other trash because that's the only like there's no redemption. There's no ability to recycle to like make. OK, so maybe maybe a lamp breaks. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, OK, well, we don't we can't have that lamp here because it hurts someone so either we throw it into the trash where it's completely useless and then it's getting melded in with all the other trash Mm -hmm. or now riddle me this we could recycle it take the light out and then maybe it's a vase maybe it can't be a lamp maybe you shouldn't be in leadership maybe you can still be a part of you know maybe you can still go to a thing as long as you're not in charge of anything or you know something like that but right now there's this culture of like you've done something wrong therefore you are trash and you need to go into the trash bin with all the other trash Mm -hmm. which then just magnifies and there's a lot of trash that like knows that what they're doing is trash and whatever but like in a in a country where we don't teach sex ed where even whenever we start teaching sex ed it's probably not going to include consent culture like we can't expect everyone to know the thing. So some people genuinely are in the dark. I don't know. Um, I also don't know because I haven't been accused of like consent violations outside of like bumping into someone once apparently, um, <laughs> which was the funniest uh, report. But I was, when I it comes to this, yeah, I, I, that's why I asked if you were on. <laughs> but that's but that's what, I never was mad that I had to go through a process with that because I was so happy that the process existed. Mm-hmm. And I thought if they are taking me bumping into someone that I didn't even know was at the party, because I have depth to me and it's a 200 person party. Um, that must mean they're going to take the serious ones even more seriously. Cause like I had like three meetings and I never was mad about it. I was like, this is great. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm glad these things are in place as long as they make sense. Right. I don't know, but that's, it's a really rough place to be in, especially so in socially, it's a hard place to be in. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, cause I, so I have a master's of social work. And so a lot, like I wanted to use that, to kind of help this situation. So that's why I wanted to like join review boards and maybe, or not review boards, but like join safety boards and like help to like develop policies and do all these things. But as this whole like culture has turned into trash and uh, like the culture is trash, but like this whole trash culture, just throw them in the trash bin and like we can't tell them what they did wrong. We just have to get rid of them. Like I don't find that to be a solution most of the time. Sometimes it is. It depends on the person. Mm-hmm. But most of the time I feel like if we just kick somebody out of the community then they're just going to find another community that is less that cares less about those things sure. and then we're just making they're going to end up in an mra subreddit or red pill or right something like there's an earth prime too where like i became a pickup artist or i ended up like an incel whatever like there are these other parallel universes where i could have just googled a different thing and ended up in darker places. Right, exactly. And um, so a lot of what I believe in is like, you know, restorative justice. But in order to do restorative justice, you have to acknowledge what happened, at least with some detail, like enough details, at least to, 
you know, give that person information, (laughs) right? Um, But that requires a lot of work. And some people, then if you are putting work into a person, then you are supporting them. And if you are supporting them, then that means that you are, you know, taking their side over the victim and you're a bad person. And there was so much like emotional um, back and forth with me Mm. around that. And I, uh, that it was so emotionally jarring for me that I just like kind of got paralyzed around a lot of these issues and so i effectively just like dropped my posts and was like Mm. i can't i'm sorry like there's i I need to protect my own mental health and that means like i can't do what i think is right and that really really sucks how do you feel about the call outs happening in like in facebook post format (sighs) i mean so How do I feel about Facebook? So it, it kind of depends, right? Like on the one hand, I feel like Facebook and social media in general provides this forum that people can kind of band together. Like for example, I had a um, a negative interaction, a consent violation by somebody. Um, I was at a non-play party. It was just at like a you know dance party essentially. And he comes up to me with a vibrator in his hand. We had, did not have a sexual relationship I'm at all. Nervous. Yeah, and just put it up to my cunt and just held and just held it there and I kind of pulled back and he was like, "Oh, it's just a vibrator, har har." And Just a vibrator? Yeah. What? I know. I know. Um and so anyway, afterwards I was like, "Yo, what you did was like really uncomfortable and I'm really like not like that was not okay to do." And he was, "Oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, I th- I meant to be playful, but I see how I did wrong, whatever." He responded appropriately, so I forgave him. Um and so that wasn't and so then I was like, "Okay, well, you know, p- people make mistakes. Just don't do it again, whatever." And then when I found out that he, that this particular person perpetually is doing it is doing it to a lot of other people mm. because social media allows for this. Like there was this whole thread about him doing these inappropriate things. Then I was like, okay, it's not just I made the one mistake. It is now like you've got a litany of people that you've made that one mistake with, and like obviously this behavior is not changing, and that's a problem. And I'm no longer comfortable around you yeah. or whatever. So so on the one hand, there's that. On the other hand, there was a thread um, that was calling uh, what like person A out, mm-hmm. um, saying like, "Hey, call out your abusers here." And so they were calling out a lot of other people. And then one person mentioned another name, and um, and that name that person happened to be somebody that I was close with. And so um, they uh, so a lot of the it, now one person did say that an egregious thing happened to them. So sure. did not discounting that at all. Um, then a lot of other people started chiming in and saying like, yeah, he hugs me a little too long. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he, you know, he always sits next to me and I really don't like him sitting next to me or whatever. And like, and there was like 20 people yeah, saying no, that. I saw that thread. It was, it that thread blew up to like 100 plus comments, mostly about, it seemed like hugging. hugging. Yeah. Not to say all of them. No, not, not all. Not, but not, the majo- not discounting me, the actual me thing. Me glancing, like, the majority of it seemed to have been the hugging. Yeah. That I didn't even see whatever the serious thing was. Right. And so per the rules of the group, no information can be shared outside of that group with, um, you know, that that could like that could um, identify right. the person who is calling that out. Right. So then in theory, I'm, you know, as somebody who's close to him, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to not t- 
tell him that people are talking about him and all of a sudden he's just getting emails saying you're banned from this, you're banned from this, you're banned from this. And, and he's saying like, why. what the, what, what happened? What did I do? What did I do? And so, you know, as somebody following rules, I'm supposed to say you did something wrong. Atone. How? Like, I, I don't care if somebody said, hey, I did something wrong. What I care about is here's what I did wrong. Here's what I, you know, and I'm sorry about mm. that. Here's what I'm going to do to make up for it or ask what can I do to make up for it? And here's what I'm doing currently to fix the issue. And here's, you know, my future plan. And then following up and saying like, hey, it's been, you know, three months. Here's what I've done so far. Please like, you know, let me know if I have improved or not, you know, improved, whatever. Like that to me is the appropriate way. But you cannot have that without disclosing what at least a general you hug people sure. too long. You don't have a sense of boundary. Pay more attention to, to like, you know, um, body language cues, whatever. And even sharing that information is too much information to where I'm yeah. the bad guy. Well, how do you respond when you see someone that you at least don't not like, which is my favorite, which is now the way I prefer to describe it. <laughs> I don't not like. I do like the way it sounds. Uh, <laughs> when you see, say, so like the page post last year got very big. Um, when you see something like that, what is an appropriate response for me to have if I feel like that facts in it are untrue? Some of them, at least, um, facts that I can actually, that I can also prove. And I know that going, oh, this is not true is not going to work. Um, even if it's like, I just know that doesn't work, but then what do I do? Well, taking a page from social work, one, one thing is, um, you can validate somebody's you can validate somebody's feelings, you can validate their experience mm-hmm. and not necessarily validate what they're saying is entirely fact. Um and is there a wording that's like good to do that? Um so instead of saying like well saying something like I I see that I uh you know I see that my actions hurt you, right? Okay. Like you know, validating I did a thing, that thing hurt you is not saying I like I was wrong. It doesn't like I was wrong implies that there was like, you know, a, a true thing that happened. Right. Okay. So like I did you say I did this thing. I did this. You know, I'm saying I'm validating that I did this thing and that thing hurt you yeah. instead of at least saying like my actions hurt you. Right. What I did hurt. And also, you know, it acknowledge- sounds like the situation. If he, he could have started with this happened and I acknowledge it hurt you without saying like, he doesn't have to say I assaulted you. He could say this event happened. Yeah. And I hurt you. And that's a good start. You're saying. Right. Well, and also, and also as um, like one thing to note is um, when people are like, have a lot of like emotional upheaval, whether it has to do with, um, you know, being called out and feeling defensive or whether it feels like, you know, they have been traumatized, they've been hurt in some way. People respond, like people have different perceptions of actual facts, of actual events. Mm. Be- like, you know, when an event happens, there are three sides of the story that, you know, person A side, person B side and the quote unquote truth. Now, even that quote unquote truth has to do with the subjective experience of the observer, right? And so a lot of the ways that we experience things have to do with what we've experienced through life, what what we've been exposed to are different traumas that impact how we process certain events, right? And those things are real. Mm. Like it's not that, you know, 
it, it's untrue because it's not founded in fact. The, like the truth is this action caused harm. Mm-hmm. It is not necessarily the case that that action was the wrong thing. That action was inappropriate in that particular context or something, you know? Or or just happened and it was received this way, but there's maybe sometimes there's nothing objectively wrong or bad about it. Yeah. So instead of saying like I was wrong, like not even saying I was like sometimes you do need to kind of step back and look at what did I do and is this actually wrong? Um but if there's like, you know, objective like hey here's the you know here's the transcript and of like you know and everyone else is saying like yeah this didn't happen exactly the way that they're you know the other person is saying it is you don't have to say oh see you're wrong and whatever what you can say is i understand that what i did hurt you i am sorry that you are hurting is there anything that i can do to help you process or to help you you know go through this so in that way you're offering support without belittling their experience does that make sense like sometimes the truth doesn't really matter like i mean it does but like the truth like facts logic whatever like people like to say like use like logics as this like trump card of like oh logic reason fact whatever but really logic reason and fact a lot of times are still skewed by like like people say, oh, I'm using logic when what they mean is I'm using my emotional reasoning, which I believe is superior to yours. Right. Um, so sometimes like, you know, even when like, like oftentimes when I get into like internet arguments, people will start making like these, you know, you fallacy internet arguments. Oh, I know. People <laughs> will start making these like, you know, fallacy, like these claims that are using fallacies and whatever, whatever. A lot of times, you know, I have to just not take the bait and say, like, I'm just not acknowledging that because that is not relevant. What is relevant is, you know, I harmed you or that this is harmful or whatever. The the fact the fact is that, like, this hurt someone that mm-hmm. let's address that, not like whether or not this one particular like that transphobia is a fear of trans people or the degradation of trans people like those semantic things. Like, I'm not even going to address that. That's it's like, almost as if the concern about and and. And I've I've heard this from you before. Actually, I've actually and what came out of that page post last year, I have been citing you. I I can't even count how many episodes I have cited what you taught me, which was uh, oh we no, can, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is how you make a trans joke. No, um, well you taught me that. Uh, that we can validate the feelings while not like uh, skewing facts and that like we can treat the feelings as the feelings and the consequ- and the feelings are real. And the, the, the consequences real. of the feelings are real too. And then we can, and then like we can more left brain deal with like the events and does a consequence need to happen or something like that. So if someone says like, you know, that they felt they were assaulted, well, whether or not they were assaulted, you taught me that they're probably still f- experiencing an assault. So yeah. we got they need to be taken care of emotionally. But like, does this person need to be arrested? Well, that's going to be a different conversation. Completely different. And you can, and you can absolutely have those conversations separately. Like, and in fact, it's often appropriate to have those conversations separately because if you say like, okay, yeah, I understand that you were hurt, but I didn't actually do what you're saying that you're doing. You're still, you're like, you're like throwing, you know, it's, it's still invalidating. Right. So you can absolutely. I didn't do that. It's like, but I didn't. It's I told you I felt this way, and you responded with I didn't do that. It's like those are separate. Yeah. And 
my knee-jerk reaction if I get called out still sometimes can be in my head if I don't think that the thing actually happened is like, oh, I didn't do that. And, it, and you have made a change where like I do try to pause and step back, at least at some point. Maybe, Good. Yeah. It's possibly one of the most important things I feel like I've learned in the last few years. Oh, that, that feels good. I'm glad yeah. that I was able to contribute to that. Yeah, because like, you know, yeah, validating um, somebody's experience, super important. Also, though, um, I'm just going to add, uh, it's not just I understand that you've been hurt because that also doesn't necessarily reflect that you hear what they're saying that you actually are absorbing it what is doing what because it can very it can very easily turn into like you know sort of parroting i understand that i've been hurting you and therefore i am sorry like you can say that in any in any context so like paraphrasing summarizing saying like so what i'm hearing is when this event happened that you perceive to have been you know this this and this that this caused this harm to you is that am i understanding what your hurt like you know what the hurt was about because then you like when you're paraphrasing and summarizing you really acknowledge that you're hearing them mm-hmm. um and you can and it's important to do so in a way that um isn't just saying like and allegedly you feel like i might have done something like whatever there's there's an extent to where that's appropriate but it's also very easy to tip over and and be invalidating again i don't want to speak on behalf of the the man gender partially cuz i never feel like i fit in with them but i think a lot of it at least in my experience and what i think i hear from other dudes is men are scared to validate the feelings because I think a lot of dudes think that validating the feelings then means admits it guilt. also admits guilt and validates the badness of the action that may have caused those bad feelings. Yeah. And so instead of trying to separate, they're like trying to protect their own ass. And it's almost like this small leap of faith that needs to be made of, okay, I'm gonna acknowledge these feelings. I might even apologize that someone feels this way or received whatever happened in this way. And then hope that other people rational people like yourself outside of the situation will judge the facts of a thing and determine if there needs to be a consequence. Right. But I, I think that's the thing is like men are so scared of the consequences of actions they don't feel they did that they're nervous to even admit that they might have made someone feel bad, even if they didn't necessarily do a bad thing. Right. Well, I think a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. And I think a lot of that comes down to what we've been taught about the the criminal justice system. Right. Is like, don't admit guilt. Like, don't um, you know, if you're not guilty, don't admit guilt. If you don't feel like you're guilty or you shouldn't be guilty don't say that you did the thing because then that can be used against you in the court of law whatever whatever unless you're the president during a press conference then oh my God. you know admit everything you want <laughs> um but uh but so i'm gonna i'm gonna play uh, radical feminist here for a minute so <laughs> shocker <laughs> pretend no i'm just kidding um so uh, one thing that i think is um lacking in our conversation here is um you know, we talk about the patriarchy as this like abstract concept that oppresses women, right? So let's take that like oppressive nature out of it for just a second and just acknowledge that um, that that there often is a, a difference in the way that like feminine and masculine points of view are experienced and perceived, right? So, so I think the masculine perspective is this very linear thought. So there's this, you know, trying to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, trying to get it as straight of a line as possible, trying to get, you know, answer, logic, you know, true or false answers, right? Which has a lot of productivity and you can get a lot done with that like speed, like that kind of um, the idea of trying to get 
the straight line, the fact, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think a feminine mode of thought is this more like rounded view where you're taking in, into account like context and taking into account like, you know, body language around the words, like, you know, the, the masculine or the masculine mode thinks more in terms of like what words are used, whereas maybe the feminine is more of like, how the words are used Mm. and and i think that um throughout history or at least in the last you know several uh centuries um the it has been a very patriarchal model of society right so a lot of the like processes and procedures and structures of the way our society is functioning were built by men were built with this masculine mode of thought as this is the answer this is the definitive answer and then you know women and other um people who like maybe think in the more feminine mode of thought are basically told like well that's irrational that's not like we've already established that this masculine mode is the truth and you are now convoluting the truth with this contextual do you feel resentful that that's that they're associated that way that as a vagina have you yourself well i don't think i don't think everyone is purely i don't think anyone is purely masculine or purely feminine if you notice the way that i've been discussing this it's not men think this way women think this way i think that there is a masculine like like masculine modes of thought Mm. feminine modes of thought like we we all have sort of some of each and just maybe the proportion is different depending on the person and and a male person might have more feminine mode of thought Mm. you know like that that is not you know anyway so so using that context, using the idea that the criminal justice system is this patriarchal sort of um, masculine procedure that is, okay, we want to get the purest, straightest line possible that is a yes or no answer, and how can we get there, ignores so many important things. And this idea of like, you know, the future is female down with the patriarchy, it's it's not about, um, at least speaking from my perspective, it's not about men are wrong or we need to uprise against men it is this idea of like all of these decisions on what should or shouldn't happen what is or isn't right the way that we do things the procedures the policies like all of these structures that are in place were developed using a non-balanced form of thought using primarily masculine form of thought right Mm. and like even even in terms of like language writing like you know words on a page are like very like are are this kind of like masculine mode of thought for me because it's like you have to read each word before the next word they are like in lines right so you can't really like um anyway so then the more the more feminine mode of thought to me would be like describing things in pictures in memes using emojis things that like you get more don't tell the incel community that memes are feminine the old blow them up right no but i (laughs) because i think what it does is you is like a meme or like a a picture describing something or even emojis adds context to what it's saying like there definitely is you know information being delivered but it's not being delivered in a in a linear order it's being delivered in a more contextual thing right? right um and i don't think it is purely feminine especially memes usually use words and pictures whatever but it's just that sort of idea of like understanding more behind like m- like there is more to what we say than um 
just the words that we used in the order we used them, right. right? And so the criminal justice system right now uses this very masculine mode of thought of like, you know, you are either guilty or not guilty. And, you know, the words that you use are extremely important and really the only thing that's important. The fact that somebody has been traumatized before and that you did something that traumatized them further has no bearing in a court of law. Whereas, um, you know, this whole futurist female movement is really looking at adding is making it's trying to make a more balanced picture so it's not and i think that's one of the reasons why um this whole me too movement has like moved away from criminal justice in a lot of ways is because the criminal justice system has failed women over and over and over again because it is literally it was literally derived by men in that mode of thought and women are going or like you know women or people who think in this feminine way um are going like you're missing so much of the picture here. And we need to add that picture. We need to fill in the blanks here. And I think right now there's this kind of like push to overthrow, to like overswing because we're trying to compensate for the like hundreds or even thousands of years that we've like that our way of thinking has been told that it's convoluting, that it's mm. talking in circles, that it's illogical, that it's just emotional, and that doesn't matter. There's no proof. There's no evidence. Where's, right. where's the videotape? L- like that on- Like that is the only thing that matters, and mm. it's really, really not. Um, right now, I feel like there is still an imbalance, um, and there's a lot of fighting. Like we're in this kind of conflict between this masculine and feminine mode of thought right now with the way things are, are happening, and it, the conflict is really uncomfortable. I'm, my hope, though, is that it's at least going in the right direction. And so when things finally do settle, that they'll settle in a more balanced sphere. So c- context matters as much as the, you know, facts of the story. Right. Like, anyway, that's, not, that's not my to, hope. <laughs> not to get too much on a, a side tangent on that, but I, I wonder if when things start to bounce out, if one of the corrections could be because the 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 having the, you know, the presumption of innocence is important. Um, and we can't make an exception for like one particular because, you know, we don't we don't presume guilt for most of the other crimes, you know, uh, the same way we do with like sexual assault or rape. And I wonder if say, but because the burden of evidence is different, say, in civil lawsuits, I wonder if there will be some sort of way and not where like everyone's getting sued for two million dollars where most of them don't have two million dollars. But like, you know, the guy next door um, could get sued in, say, a civil court and there's some sort of different penalty or i don't know um accountability that's maybe not even financial but right. also is in prison and i wonder if like oh, like restorative wonder, justice you mean you know yeah yeah like that in a way because also the burden proof is 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 lower in civil cases so i wonder if that i wonder if the answer when we're talking about the justice system might lie there but i don't know i'm not a lawyer i'm just a yeah. comedian with I don't, a fuck show i don't know um, the, <laughs> but, i don't know the full <laughs> answer either and and this is all just com- like completely conjecture this is yeah, yeah, literally yeah. just my personal opinion and like what i like how i perceive these don't, kind of things don't downplay the thing you were sounding brilliant everyone oh thought, yeah this is all real fact you sounded like such authority <laughs> just oh yeah let it be there don't great it's they there were, they were believing I'm an authority it. they bought it I, I bet you they bought it you you expressed before when we were negotiating um how to do this that you I don't want to say fear but I don't have a better word maybe expect you expect that should certain people discover you did this podcast that you could get reprisals how how do you feel about that and what what are you expecting that how will you handle if someone if you get a message being like I can't believe you did Billy Presida's podcast I mean 
basically I, I probably tell him like, yeah, because I call him out all the time and his podcast is about asking people to call him out. Kind of. Sure. <laughs> Not literally, but like, you know, that's but that's a kind of large component of your show is like, hey, how can I be better? Like, what did I do wrong? Like, you know, talking, especially talking with your like previous lovers and hookups and and, and partners or whatever. A lot of it is like, you which, know, which by the way, I've hooked up with a lot of Paige's friends and they are all welcome on the show yeah. to tell me to fuck off. Actually, I did have an idea for a panel show once, um, a live podcast, because, you know, I do the live shows sometimes. We'll have like a multiple exes on stage. I thought, oh, what if I had a panel of just like people that hate you? Well, pages. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, I have I, I pitched that in Chicago to Cooper Beck. I was like, yeah, you and Dylan and whoever else is in Chicago. And well, that because I did a show in June in Chicago. My first idea was let's do this Billy haters panel. Um, and I didn't get a response, but I did think like, um, you know, people like, you know, Jackie and, and Kat and them. And, and I also thought you, cause like, oh, a Trina would be the reasonable one on stage. Um, but the idea of having a group of them might be interesting. Um, so basically like Paige's friends that I've hooked up with who don't like me or who have opinions on me and let's like have that conversation. I always thought it would be interesting, um, but I've been too terrified to pursue it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like, so you, you would just be like, yeah, I did. I, well, and I think, I, I think a lot of the, um, a lot, like, a lot of the hard stuff about it is like, if my name were like on the description, I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people who would, um, just read the description and say like, oh, you know, she is supporting Billy. And like on the one hand, I support your growth and I don't uh, I don't think that you are a bad person. I think that you have done really shitty and bad things. And I also don't know all of the facts. I don't know like all the details. And so not not to say that like, um, you know, that not to say that those matter more than like people who have been harmed. Um, But also, you're not like bringing me on here to be all like hey tell everybody that page was wrong or whatever like and i'm not we're not saying let's ignore all that and let's let's talk like fun sex stories and let's ignore the elephant in the room yeah i'm not doing that i'm not saying hey let's get in depth about the night that we hooked up because it's not that important other than page was there right and like that is a is kind of a reason to be that you're here i'm not i'm just like yeah let's talk and i also i've always trusted you good i'm glad because it wasn't that memorable I mean, all we did was make out and I gave you a foot massage. Like, let's not throw... The- okay, maybe the foot massage was good, though. Yeah, my, look, my dick game is not up to question right now. Um, but but the, just the idea of um, there's a few people in this community that I do trust to be straight with me and and also not be soft on me. Yeah. So, like, Comedy Land, the friends I have will probably be more, like, supportive and be like, that doesn't make sense. Um, but there's, there's people like you that I go, like, it's, it's mostly you. It's like you and like Effie. It's like the couple people that I at least know will call me out in a compassionate way. In I a have, way that is actually supporting your growth. Way. I, look, <laughs> yeah. the fact that you say that you support my growth is like, like that means a lot to me, especially like, like that, that clusterfuck of a week. That was one of the scariest weeks I've had. I still get like, I'm, I feel emotional right now remembering what that was like because it's very lonely. And then, like, I even reached out to – I'll just call him the hugger because um, we haven't said his name yet. But, like, I reached out to the hugger, like, because it was kind of around a similar period. And I was like, hey. 
it was I know more this than, It was more than just hugging, to be fair. No, no, no. But, but at the time, the only thing I knew about was like he had also been called out. Right. And so I just like – I was like, hey, can we talk on the phone? We talked for like a half hour just like what that experience is like because like I don't know who to talk to. Yeah. And now and, – and, th- and this is one of the yeah. things though. It's like so you t- you reached out to him. Um, I know that um, you know my ex had reached out to another person um, that had been you know banned from the community or whatever. Yeah. And like so if we throw people into the trash – what you're doing is exactly that. You are encouraging everyone who has been in, who is in the trash to then talk to each other. When the trash can gets so full of all of this anger for being put into the trash without any like, comp- like compassion, without any like support for growth, what you're basically going to end up, end up having is a bunch of trash in the street that's going to cause like a huge scene. Like, yeah, it's gonna remember be a the huge garbage problem. strike in New York City in the 80s, everybody? It was disgusting. Right? No, but like, <laughs> and that and that's real. And like, and this whole idea, like throw people in the trash, like, move, you know, like take them away and like, you know, they don't deserve our compassion. They don't deserve like, you know, our support in getting help or whatever. You're just, it's, it's just going to make the problem worse because people are going to find people that they agree with and I personally don't want to create an entire new generation of, um, of like men's rights activists. Like, yeah. you know, and I, and I hate to break it to a lot of the people in our community, but the their point of view on this and just uh, just the general like um, this sounds like a weird way to phrase, but the higher sensitivity to say like consent culture stuff, um, even if it's just stuff like patting on the shoulder without asking. Um, we are in the minority that think this way. Right. Like most people, like I'll put it this way. You go to, you go, you could show any of the posts that are about me. You show the Ella Dawson blog post to most people. They're going to be like, hey, he seems like kind of an asshole, but that's about it. That's the general population. So like there is also this thing that we have to be aware of, like coming from this sex positive place where we're trying to grow it out. We have to remember like most people don't think this way. Right. Like most people won't agree with you. Most people don't think I'm a piece of shit. Well, and to be fair, though, right. And well, like, you know, piece of shit aside, but like the pe- but like our the sex positive community is a safe place for this kind yeah. of like sexual exploration specifically because we are very particular about what kind of behaviors we allow in it. Right. Right. But I, so I'm thinking is, more about the expansion. Of right. It. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And if you just kick if you kick everyone out that what they're going to do is going to say like, oh, yeah, all that consent culture they're stuff. Crazy. They're exactly. And so instead, why don't we like oh, here? Well, here's the other thing is the easiest way or no sorry the easiest way to prevent change is to remove community and support from a person i'll say that one more time because it's really important the easiest way to prevent change is to remove community and support that's one of the reasons why like uh, you know people have a hard time you know overcoming addiction without things like aa is it because they're releasing their control over to a higher power no it's because they go to a community meeting where they are getting support in the struggle that they're having and by throwing people in the trash people are going to seek community but they're going to seek community by people who have also been thrown in the trash mm-hmm. and if it's just a bunch of people who've been thrown in the trash like finding community there then all of a sudden that trash is going to like start developing all this like social bacteria and viruses that then you know litter the streets and are like this fucking like and then we elect donald trump because we threw wisconsin and pennsylvania and michigan <laughs> places like that in the trash we threw we yeah. threw them all in the trash and then that's what happened yeah so so my so my personal philosophy on that is like okay so again if the lamp can't be a lamp maybe it can be a vase maybe we can break it up and put it and make it a mosaic or like whatever like there are things that we can do that um 
some require more effort than others to prevent this whole like overload of trash that just will make things get worse and worse and worse. So if by calling people out and saying like, hey, what you did was insensitive and here's how and here's what you should, you know, here's some suggestions on how to improve. If that is supporting a person and makes me a bad person, like, I'm sorry, I guess I'm a bad person. Mm. Um, But also like there are certain like... And also, I want to make note that labeling people as here's the thing that you are bothers me so much because when you add a label to somebody, it's it's fixed. It's really hard to break out of that when you and it really. Yeah. Labeling people has a huge impact. People when people label themselves, it has a huge impact because like then they view this aspect of them as fixed. And if it's fixed then they then there's no point in even trying to change it, right? So that's one reason like I I in in philosophy and in practice avoid at all costs labeling people as anything against their will. They are a person who has done this. They are a person who has caused harm. They are not like, you know, and I've gotten a lot of flack about that and mm-hmm. I've lost friends because I would not call somebody a rapist even if they if even if they raped someone specifically because I'm like, I don't want to validate and acknowledge and confirm and not even acknowledge, but like to confirm and really solidify that at like them as this. I want to view them as somebody who can change, who has done something bad and also has the power to do better and be better. And that's really ignored right now, which like kind of sucks. Like, and I understand yeah. where it's coming from, but like there's a difference between somebody who's been formally, incon- uh, formally incarcerated and a convicted felon. If you're a convicted felon, then, you know, you have this one idea of them that they are a bad person who has committed crimes and is dangerous and terrible. They are a person who, you know, a formerly incarcerated person. It's like, oh, well, obviously they did something bad, but like, you know, they serve time and whatever. Like there's a like that yeah. person first language is really, really important in a lot of ways. And I think that we ignore that in a lot of cases because of this like emotional vitriol sort of that happens with um, when people are in pain and yeah. fighting. That was uh, yeah, very important. Taking away community because, yeah, that was a weird. That was a that was a bad week. Uh Atrina, thank you, thank you so much for for doing this. Uh, you are, I think, a shining light in this world. And I, Aww. we do not interact terribly often, but when I do, I do cherish it. Even when it's just some um, some like uh, Facebook messages about toxic masculinity or something like that. <laughs> um, no, you're you're a great person, and I, I just hope you know. I hope all the things for you in the world. Um, I'll ask one more time. Do you want to plug your Instagram or anything like that? Or are you good? Uh, fine. Um, <laughs> well, you- just because. Okay, can I can I hype you just for a second? Sure. Okay, Atrina is a balloon artist, but like not a fucking clown. Like holy shit, balloon art. Like it is absurd. Uh, it's so cool. I, I, she did a, uh, a Game of Thrones, th- like the throne, and did a photo show of that. And I asked to post it on Reddit, and it blew the fuck up. Well, you said if you don't post this on Reddit, I'm going to. Oh yeah. Oh, did and you so, end up doing it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, and then um, because it's just so, it was so cool. Yeah, it was on the front page for like the entire day. I felt so <laughs> famous. It was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my Instagram is Lovekins L O V E K I N S balloons. Um, so if you want to see some weird shit, I, I, I do some fun things sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's very much worth checking out and, uh, and yeah, thanks again. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. All right. Goodbye, everybody. 
the 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 biggest thing that stood out to me there was um that quote the easiest way to prevent change is to remove community and support from someone i would love to know what y'all thought about this particular episode you should know the email address by now but send me your comments your questions your reactions your concerns to manhorpod at gmail.com would love to read them I'd also love to read your reactions if you want to make them a bit more public. Uh, you should already be following me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Twitter at TheBillyPresida, and I'm on Instagram at BillyIsPresida. Uh, you can also engage with this week's episode on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page. We've also got the intern Sophia out there uh, firing off uh, mega hot memes almost on the daily. I encourage you all to uh, become a member of our fan whore community on Patreon. You can enjoy a whole bunch of bonus content and connect with like-minded listeners like yourself in our private communities like the Champagne Room and the Peep Show. Become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. I hope everyone, you know, had a pretty good Thanksgiving. I know I didn't like try to go and debrief that too much. But like I said, my mouth is a fucking war zone right now and I don't really want to use it much more. <laughs> Wish me luck at the dentist tomorrow everybody. Stay slutty. <laughs>